Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spinning the Reel. I'm your host, Evan. I'm your other host, Cody. And once again, joining us for the uh, second week in a row is a special guest, Zach. Zach Attack. This time you didn't let Zach talk. I know. I had to get Zach Tech in there before you dissed me for calling him Zach Tech, and that's not his name and stuff. But anyway, we'll just skip that part today. Um, it's uh, what June twenty third as we record this Tuesday, June twenty third, uh, twenty twenty, and uh, we got a uh, an interesting show today. Cody, what are we uh, what are we talking about? Well, we're gonna start with I think a a segment that we're gonna be called theaters reopen. And we're just going to talk about and get our opinions on, you know, AMC and Regal making their moves to open in the middle of July. So that's going to be coming. We'll talk about that. And then, of course, we'll hit into our decades project and Cody's fail of the Instagram post on why there's not a clear winner for the week. Mm-hmm. And, have you, you come know, up with a solution for that, Cody? We, I have a solution. And the solution will be discussed when we get to the decades project portion okay. of the show. That's great. I don't think we told Zach about this, so that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds like uh, like a good time. So why don't we go ahead and dive in? Right, guys so we mentioned it off the top here one of the big news stories of the last couple weeks uh, in the movie world has been that movie theaters are reopening uh, it, it, we've been waiting for a while they closed down in what mid-march right so it's been about three months we still have another month to go but amc and regal the two biggest uh theater chains in the country have announced that they are planning to reopen sometime in the middle of next month. So I think AMC is shooting for the 15th of July and Regal is shooting for the 10th, if, uh, if I have those dates correctly. Uh, generally speaking, uh, Cody, what do you think about theaters trying to reopen amid a pandemic? Uh, you know, I think you know, with everything going on, I know we had all our phases of closing and then reopening and trying to get back to what was, you know, our normal. Uh, I don't really think no matter what, there would be a right time to open theaters, obviously with, you know, uh, here we are at phase four, whether anyone likes it or not, and the theaters are doing what they can to, you know, open and make their money back and allow us to get back to a little bit of normalcy. So, uh, I, you know, I won't be able to tell until I actually go in myself if I decide to go in when they open and and kind of see what's up and what's about and if I feel safe and anything like that. But, you know, got to start somewhere mm-hmm. and here we are. So, yeah, well, we'll talk about actually going into the theaters in a minute here. But I kind of want to get your take as well, Zach, of what, what you think about. Is it too soon? Is it about time? What are you thinking about all this? Mm, I still think it's probably too soon. Uh, e- theaters, I think, face kind of one of the more unique challenges um, just because of like what it means to go to the theater, right? Like you're going to be in an enclosed space, not very much uh, like air circulating, you know, I mean, you have, you have like air conditioning, but you're spending a lot of time in one room, with the same people. Uh, and I don't necessarily trust 
the average moviegoer to be like that disciplined about about everything and um obviously most theaters make most of their money on uh concessions right so they want they're going to want like people to be snacking and stuff and ordering popcorn and drinks and food alcohol even um and so you can't really partake in that without without um you know removing your mask or or being careless with it so i, I yeah i really don't trust it <laughs> Yeah, no, and you make a few interesting points there that I want to dig into. But the first one I want to talk about is this unique position that theaters are in, because as we go through this pandemic, we're starting to learn more and more about the virus. And we're hearing from the CDC and the experts uh, that are studying this. And they're starting to come to the conclusion that if you're physically distanced, if you're wearing a mask and you're outdoors, uh, that's a pretty low risk environment. Well, movie theaters are sort of the opposite of all of that. You're indoors in a condensed area and you're going to be there for a long time. You can't physically distance quite as much as you could in outdoor settings or bigger settings. And then like you mentioned, people eating and snacking and taking their masks on and off, uh, you are putting yourself at a lot of risk in a movie theater as opposed to other places. But at the same time, too, like these movie theaters have been closed for a long time. They're, uh, the margins on movie tickets aren't really that great. They do make a lot of money off of concessions. Um, these people that are earning minimum wage working at movie theaters have been out of the job for months at a time now. So it, it is sort of a delicate balance of how do we get people back into theaters, but how can we do it safely? And uh, movie theaters do represent a specific challenge for that. Um, AMC specifically took some heat for saying that they weren't going to mandate masks. Uh, they walked that back and said now, okay, we are going to mandate masks, except when people are eating. So how do you, how do you feel about that, Cody? I don't know if you heard that story. Um, what you th Their reasoning was they didn't want to get political by mandating masks. Um, but they took a lot of heat, so they backtracked on it. Um, do you think that's effective when there's no mandate? I mean, obviously, you can't eat with a mask on, but like, how do you think that's going to work? Yeah, I didn't know anything about that, actually, until you told me, and I looked it up on Twitter, and the, the whole political thing was kind of funny to me. Um, I think it's, it kind of falls into that category, too, of like restaurants, right? You see restaurants starting to try and do the same thing that I think theaters are doing, because you're right. You go into a restaurant, you ring the mask, you wear it, and then once you're in your seat, and so say in a movie theater, you're going to go get popcorn. It's like, right, a staple when you're going to go see a film. Your mask is going to come off, and you're going to be eating popcorn. And that's your excuse to not have your mask on. Oh, well, I'm eating popcorn. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I guess it still frustrates me. It, you know, it, it's very simple to wear a mask. And if they're requiring it to go into the movie theaters, and then maybe you get to your seat, and everyone's spaced out appropriately, I know there's still going to be the, you know, scare factor of it is an enclosed space, it's not nice and open, um, but you're, I mean, you're still going to go most likely, right, with family or friends, or, uh, you know, hopefully in a group where you kind of take up that row, and maybe that next row is empty, and then the next closest people that you're, you're unsure of are, you know, two or three rows ahead because of this limited capacity thing. Um, I just, you know, it is hard, um, but I just, I don't want to see people, I, I mean, I went into Best Buy the other day and the guy was all mad that they told him to put on a mask. Like, if you're going to go somewhere public, just be, you know, have your mask, be courteous, be willing. 
and you know again it's it's your own risk management and you know this is their risk management and if you're not comfortable with going mm. and having to wear a mask and being respectful when you're done eating to put it back on and you you know you feel claustrophobic whatever it is then don't go to the movie theaters it's as simple as that like if you're willing to go then have the mask and you know deal with the consequences not only for yourself but you know for those of what they're trying to do with trying to reopen so it's kind of my thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know that's the one of the things that worries me a little bit is that the people that are willing to go for that first screening of Mulan, that first screening of Tenant, are probably the people that uh, that are out there and without masks or aren't really concerned about things. So that adds sort of a whole different layer to it. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, Zach. Is uh, there any chance you'll be going to one of those screenings of... Uh, Mulan or Tenet or St. Maude or any of those movies that will be uh, available close to reopening? Mm, I, I doubt it. Uh, you know, it's something, it's like, you know, it's probably not one of the, one of the good times to be like an early adopter yeah. of, <laughs> of something. Um, if I did, if I did, it'd have to be at like, um, probably like a midnight showing, or like the last showing of the day or something, or even yeah. maybe, maybe even like, uh, I think probably still the last showing is probably the best bet because if, if you know more people are um, working from home or something like they might have more um, free time like in the morning or mm-hmm. or wait a couple weeks or something for yeah. it to like crowds yeah. to die down for a certain showing. Definitely. How about you, Cody? Yeah, I don't think I'll be rushing to the theaters on first week. I think a lot of people, like you said, are people that are over it they're just be like screw it i'm going to the movies because i get it like theaters is a good escape a lot of people like to go you know right it's your local hey let's hang out with friends again kind of thing so those first two weeks i'm just gonna you know keep an eye and ear out for what's kind of going on and what's happening and we'll go from there um Mm -hmm. but for those first you know any of the theatrical releases that they're planning on releasing in the middle of july like i'm definitely not going to go uh first week to go see it you know i'll wait a while and see how it plays out so yeah, I can't I can't imagine going to and I really want to see like Tenet and St. Maud, but I can't imagine myself like going to a theater right now in the middle of um, a spike in cases. Like you look at that chart and you see such a huge uptick in the spread uh, over the last couple of weeks. It just seems like it's completely too soon and too dangerous, especially with uh, places like I mean, how many times have you been to an AMC or Regal? And they can't even enforce their like no cell phones policy, right? You have someone texting a couple rows in front of you. Like, how are they going to enforce mask wearing and social distancing and all of the, those things uh, when they're not even willing to do the bare minimum under normal circumstances? So, like, I, I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, I do want to know, though, and I'll, I'll throw this over to Zach. Is there a movie that's coming out in like the next? foreseeable future is there any movie that that would tempt you like i i gotta go see this mm, i definitely i mean the two that you just mentioned same odd and tenant are both ones that i've been looking forward to mm. um, let's say I've, like the french dispatch came out next like next month would you go <laughs> still probably the same answer i don't think it'd be i don't think it'd be worth it right like yeah if you did if you did get it it's not gonna it's a it's such a um, high risk kind of medium reward. I think the I think the best alternative is probably going to be drive-ins. Mm-hmm. You know, if movies are actually being released, new, yeah, new movies are being released for screens. Then probably I would assume you know, drive-ins will get it too. So I think there's going to be a huge uptick in in attendance to those. 
and then you, you can you can be like really safe right because you can just stay in your car and listen to the audio or right, tune in the radio. radio yeah or you can like sit outside just around your car and then you don't have to like get concessions you know um yeah or they can just do they can like deliver it to your car you don't have to like get out i feel like i wonder that's if they're playing tenant around here and the best uh, alternative in drive-in next month how about you cody is there a specific movie that um that would draw you back in same thing those two obviously i think quiet place 2 was supposed to come out during this whole time like i was super mm-hmm. eager for that uh black widow just to fall on the hype train of what marvel is of course it's something you want to see florence Pugh, you know she's badass so i don't know nice nice there's, there's this movies is a pro florence Pugh podcast yeah dude so yeah there's definitely movies that i would like want to see it's just a matter of when i'll see them uh with you know how things go with reopening you never you know it's always an uncomfortable feeling being like you know that first like group you kind of feel like a you know right like that's like a test subject kind of situation and the guinea pig. i just yeah i don't want to be in that situation with everything going on and you know so okay i'll, I'll flip the question another way then and and say is, is there anything that a theater or a theater chain could do anything they could implement that would convince you like okay i feel comfortable going to the movie theaters or do you just need to wait out the um wait it out uh, and I'll, I'll throw that back to you cody um i don't know if there's anything you know right just as we're talking about it you know i'm sure there's a lot of people that might be listening and go oh, i don't agree with any of you i think it just it just depends on who you are and how safe you feel and you mm-hmm. know what you think of the statistics that are being talked about and all that kind of stuff but for me Lower the price of my, you know, admission. Just lower my monthly, <laughs> lower my monthly bill. Maybe I'll go back. Five bucks a month. Yeah, I'll take my chances. Wouldn't that know. convince you to to go less though? You're like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm only paying five bucks a month instead of twenty. Now I uh, now I don't have to go. Uh, I don't know. Raise Maybe, the price. Yeah, raise. <laughs> All right. Ever wants to raise the prices? I say, get me in there to buy some popcorn if my monthly bill is only five dollars. So. <laughs> How about you, Zach? Is there anything that uh, AMC or Regal could do to convince you uh, that it's safe to come back? Um, probably nothing like in the realm of feasibility, because you know yeah. it's a trade-off, right? The more the more safety protocols you you implement, the less likely you're even going to be able to like enjoy your experience. Mm-hmm. You know that you're losing you're losing uh, comfort for for safety, which is probably a fine trade-off, but in you know at scale uh for a business it probably just isn't um isn't so viable mm-hmm. i'd probably want you know because i know what they're reducing capacity by like 30 percent which yeah doesn't seem like a lot um well i think then, they're reducing it to 30 percent aren't they oh or down to 30 percent i that's think a, that's amc is down to 30 and regal is down to 50 that's, if i yeah. if i read those releases correctly that's a lot better um probably they would probably have to do something like that like down to 30 percent, and then probably like less showings right mm-hmm. um which they are doing I, yeah because i wouldn't think you would be able to like deep clean a theater uh you know in like the normal probably what 25 minutes you get between right usually they showings. just go in and sweep up yeah exactly pick up any garbage yeah um so yeah probably like very reduced capacity less showings uh, and then definitely um, some kind of like 
reserved seating because i know i know amc does reserved seating but i don't know if mm-hmm. regal does now some theaters i think yeah because i i think i was reading the amc policy and i know that like if you they were saying something like if you reserve a seat um then there won't no one will be able to reserve a seat on either side of you so in that case probably the play is to like go with someone or maybe like a group of people and then each reserve seats like one space Apart away from, each, from other. each other yeah yeah and then you'll have this huge block of seats um you know that no one can be can be around but even i don't know i really just it's just not worth it to uh to to catch the virus they need to almost like find a way to force people to keep masks on the entire showing which just doesn't seem possible right um so and, and the tricky part is that i i think obviously we all feel this way i think there's a lot of people that feel this way if you look at polling generally like people are still very concerned about the coronavirus and so if these theater chains aren't drawing crowds for these big movies like say Mulan or Tenet or or what have you and on top of that they're they're limited to 30 to 50 percent capacity these movies aren't going to be making the kind of money that they would have expected when they set these release dates right? Like Tenet was probably expecting to make hundreds of millions of dollars this summer in theaters. And I can't imagine them making that much money uh, over their, over the course of their run now. So it leaves them in this weird situation of, do we hold out and release this next year when maybe there's a vaccine or do we decide to release it uh, via streaming? Like, uh, Universal's done with some of their movies, things like, um, I, don't, I don't remember if Scoob was one of their movies, but I think like Trolls World Tour was or whatever, but a lot of studios are releasing their movies for $20 rentals or less if it's not a big name movie. Uh, I'm wondering what you guys think maybe is the most feasible solution to these movie studios that are sitting on movies that probably aren't worth nearly as much as they would have been under normal circumstances uh, in theaters. What, what do you think the, uh, the answer is, Cody? I think you got to release it. I think you got to take the loss as what it is, because if you don't incentivize people with good movies and only, you know, don't release anything good or don't even release anything new for that matter, like right when they open theaters, it's going to be all movies that have already been out. I'm presuming correct. There's not really anything new until July. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying like necessarily don't release the movie, but like, how do you make up for the fact that you're going to take massive losses maybe, or potentially on these movies? Yeah. Streaming. I mean, streaming's big. Streaming's part of the, you know, multi-mass media now and it is what it is and it's part of the norm. So you can release it, I guess. Um, But then it doesn't incentivize people to go into the theaters. So yeah. I think it's a learning process, right? I think they're going to learn on the fly kind of situation and mm-hmm. have to make changes on the go. You know, each each theater is going to try, you know, their own thing and release maybe one film and, you know, try and only release it in theaters or maybe, you know, another one says, no, I'm going to release it in theaters and on a streaming platform and see how that goes and see the kind of revenue we make. So, uh, yeah, That's just like with point. the whole just with the whole virus going on, right? I think everyone is making changes. Everything that was normal is no longer going to be normal. And you're, you're never going to know exactly until you start testing and trying and doing different 
things than what you had been used to because now everyone is uncertain it's kind of just where we're at right Mm -hmm. yeah you make a good point about the test case in that i do think that mulan and uh, and tenet especially are going to be the test because maybe disney puts out mulan they don't make nearly as much money as they would have liked to on it and then maybe they release black widow um, a different way or tenet maybe if you know i'm trying to think what studio puts out um the bond movies but maybe if tenet underperforms that uh, makes the studio that puts out james bond um rethink their strategy for releasing no time to die so that that's an interesting point that you make there cody what what do you think zach do you have any thoughts or ideas uh man i think it's tough right it's um i'm not a fucking business guy (laughs) (laughs) um uh i do like that that uh that idea like you know obviously like like a test case is probably probably a good idea and I don't know. It's, I think it's hard to find a balance to make all parties happy, right? Because these studios mm-hmm. are sitting on, on films that they want to get released, and then um, theaters are still want their cut, right? Because that's like why they exist, um, right? And streaming has been like video on demand has been one of the more expensive expensive options, right? And that's uh, it's like twenty bucks to watch one movie. So if you're not a family of, of four, um, or even two, you're you're uh, spending a lot more than you would to right. go see it in a theater. So I think it's, it's difficult to find a balance, but um, we'll just have to see. So Zach, as a non-business guy, do you think AMC theater should lower my monthly cost to $5? <laughs> I think that, I think that if they're going to open, you know, they stick to this, uh, to this arbitrary date. I think you said the 16th, right? Um, if they stick to that date, I think that you should be able to at least keep your membership paused uh, if, mm-hmm. you, if you're not going to go because then uh, otherwise they're just taking money from you when you're yeah. not using the service, right? Yeah, that's that a good point because I would want to yeah, I'd want to get rid of it. I'd be like, you know what, screw that. I'm not going to go for the next two months anyway and I don't want to waste, you know, 60 bucks yeah. or, you know, 40 bucks uh, yeah, based off the cost. So, right. I do wonder if there's a way that they could do something like indie theaters have been doing where, uh, and I think Zach and I have both done this with a movie over the course of quarantine but indie cinemas have been releasing some of these indie movies uh in their virtual cinemas so you pick your location and you can stream the movie for 12 bucks 16 bucks like the price of a ticket whatever it normally would have been and that theater still gets their cut the movie gets their cut of it and it's a way to sort of keep these indie theaters afloat I wonder if, because AMC has its own streaming platform and uh, Regal, I'm not sure if they do or not, but uh, I'm sure they could figure out a way to partner with somebody to do that. If maybe they could release things in theaters. So if you want to go to see Tenet and IMAX, you could do that. But then also release it as like a virtual theatrical movie uh, where you can like rent it through AMC or Regal or your local theater. So that way it keeps the theaters running, but also um, it, it allows the studios and the films to recoup their money for people who aren't comfortable going to a theater. And then that way too, like people working at those movie theaters 
still have jobs and still can get paid uh, and all that as well. So that, that's the only thing I can think of as like a maybe even potentially feasible way to reopen theaters and have every party come out of it um, satisfied with the results. You guys like that at all? Or is it stupid? You don't want me to answer that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay. No, I mean, <laughs> good idea, Evan. Thanks. Good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, do you guys have any other thoughts about um, movies or theaters uh, reopening here next month? No, I'm I'm ready to dive into the decades project. That's where I got some real beef. Yeah, Cody's fired up for this week. <laughs> <laughs> you, Zach, anything else he's you want to talk about? Been, he's never been more excited. Uh, no, I think I'm good. I mean, yeah, I said. Pretty much said how I, how I feel. So, all right, we'll great. See how well, it goes, man. On to the decades project then. Okay, guys, here we are once again, week three of the Decades Project. Uh, I'm going to, before we get into this heated debate this week that Cody is just chomping at the bit for, um, Cody, do you want to explain what happened with the poll? Oh, I do. Yeah, so you guys are probably on Twitter and Instagram going, where the heck is this poll to see if... uh... Bicycle Thieves or Casablanca was, you know, what you're going to vote for to win the last week. Well, I got a new phone, and so I got locked out of my Instagram account, therefore the Spinning the Real Instagram account. So I didn't have access, nor did Evan, to put I've the poll up. I've never had access. If you yeah, hate the Instagram true. post, it's all Cody's fault. Hey, 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 hey. It's true, but hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was locked out. We couldn't do the poll, but... I had a solution. Evan loved my solution. He said, wow, Cody, what a brilliant idea. And Zach, you're going to love That's it too. a direct too. quote. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to love it too, Zach, like I said. Uh, we're All just right. going to watch both films. You know, we had a week one winner, a week two winner. You know, I knew it was going to be a tough decision anyway between the two. So next week, we're just going to go ahead and both segments are going to be both movies. So we will talk Casablanca and Bicycle Thieves. So we're all winners here. You can't really yep. complain with that, can you? And where can you find both of those films, Cody? They are both on HBO Max. Do you know Wait. what's not on HBO Max? The Big Sleep. <laughs> the only film we've had to watch that wasn't. So, you know. I will not ruin your segue by mentioning that they are also both on Canopy um, because it was so good. So we'll talk about The, uh, <laughs> the Big Sleep now. So uh, The Big Sleep was Zach's pick. And before we get into why it was picked... Cody, will you tell us what this movie is about? Honestly, Evan and Zach, I don't, I don't even know what this movie was about. There was a guy, his name was Philip Marlowe, and he gets hired by this, you know, fatherly fit, well, actual father, you know, general father. Yeah. And, I, you know, he took guns from people. He killed, well, he saw people killed. He breaks open windows. He flirts with a girl in a bookstore and, those are things that stick out to me in the film. A girl in a taxi, too. Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. There was a girl in a taxi. 
So he's just, he's just this big flirt. And then he falls in love with this, the one sister that the one other sister was getting blackmailed by. And that's why he was hired to begin with. So if that sound mumbo jumboed, I really don't care because this entire movie was mumbo jumbo. <laughs> so take it or leave it. Uh, that is my plot description, Zach. And you get to rate it. That is a huge F, dude. Yeah, oh. I had a feeling you weren't getting a B on this one, Cody. Wow. Zach, even Zach gives me an F. You, you know, you get one week in and you get really comfortable and that's how you treat me? I see how I, it is. I mean, that was inten- that was intentional. You, you spiked <laughs> me great on that one. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't get any credit for uh, failing intentionally? Like, No, definitely not. It's a movie where it's, uh, oh, Spider-Verse, right? Where uh, you get a zero. It's like, if you can get a zero, that means you know all the answers. <laughs> well, that's a true or false. <laughs> that's a true or false, but it's a little bit different. <laughs> I Thanks applaud for the... the effort, Cody. Thank you. Um, Zach, why, uh, why did you decide on The Big Sleep? Uh, it's just one I had never seen before, but it's kind of, you know, a name that you always hear when, um, when uh, like, classic, like, noir films come up. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, like, noir films were, like, really big in, in the 40s and then, you know, even a little bit after. And uh, it's just one of the one of those big names, and you know it has some of the biggest names of the of the time in the forties too. Humphrey Bogart and uh, Lauren Bacall, they're like Hollywood's couple, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the time, weren't they? Sort uh, of, yeah. I um, mean, Humphrey so, yeah. Bogart was just in everything back right, then. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it seemed well, like a, seemed like a good pick, and you know, spoiler, I, I liked it. <laughs> well, I'll give you a chance if you want to explain what the movie actually is about <laughs> sort of yeah, sure. not to sure i can i'll I'll, uh, I'll give it a try so it does start the way you said right um this uh private detective phil Marlow, who's a, a a character from a from a book series i guess mm-hmm. um and this is his second film so kind of like a james bond character right where the films are like loosely related but only because of the uh the titular character um Sure. So Phil Marlowe is hired by uh, this man called, who's who a retired general, General Sturwood, um, because his daughter is being blackmailed for uh, for gambling an amount of debts, money. I think. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, for gambling debts, for it's like a, a couple thousand dollars, um, and then also because his uh, um, this guy that used to work for him, um, Regan is missing like he just up and left without uh without saying anything or mm-hmm. or giving him any any kind of any kind of like indication that he was quitting he just disappeared so he's worried about about his friend and then also um he wants his uh daughter to be out of trouble so our our hero takes the case and um his uh investigation discovers all kinds of um other kind of sinister elements surrounding surrounding these uh the Sternwoods, that this family of, of uh, the general and then his two daughters were kind of mixed up in some some trouble. See that that's how you do a plot description, Cody. Yeah. I you know, I I don't think it was great. It was okay. <laughs> it was good. But whatever. All right, Cody. Very clearly you did not enjoy this movie. Would you care to explain why? Wait, you don't think that was that was gonna be a spoiler that I didn't like the film. Uh, oh, because it was, oh. was it? Because it was, uh, that was a mystery that it wouldn't take Philip Marlowe to, uh, to oh, solve. See, that's the direction that I let you in, which, you know, I feel like <laughs> the film should have gone, but now nah, here we are. 
I did not care for this film, Zach. You, you put me through torture on this one, buddy. You know, I, I bet <laughs> Evan's, Evan's movie made me fall asleep. This is called The Big Sleep. I didn't fall asleep. I didn't have time to fall asleep. This movie just was so fast. So many characters thrown my way. It, it felt like I had to have like a notepad in hand, like just taking my own notes and trying to like solve this case that Marlo always seemed to be two steps ahead with anyway. Like he just knew he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, wait, you just mentioned a character. I have no idea who he is or she is. And, you know, here they are five minutes later in the film. And it just, it just felt like, I don't know, it was just so frantically paced, so all over the place. It wasn't until, like, in that first hour especially, I'm just like, I'm so lost in this film. Like, I'm just not even enjoying it because of that. Um, and, I mean, I, I get Marlo's character. I get that there was the banter and the flirtiness with not only, obviously, uh, was it Vivian, right? Mm-hmm. Is that her name in the film? I mean, I get that. There was some appeal to that. I had a few laughs. Don't get me wrong, Zach. There was a few laughs. But I just think the the pacing with how frantic everything seemed to be, it just, it was a total turnoff for me, man. I'm sorry. And I had it, to pay, Zach. I had to pay to watch this movie. <laughs> Classic comedy, The Big Sleep. Um, Zach, why is Cody wrong? I have actually seen some, uh, you know, just reading about it. Uh, some people like interpreting it that way as more of a like a screwball comedy at the time, as opposed to like a typical um, noir, you know, an entry in the noir genre. It's obviously like very overtly noir as well. But mm-hmm. um, I I like these kind of movies, right? Like I I I like uh, these kind of detective movies, um, and so I didn't find that the, the the threads of the plot like that hard to follow i think there's like one like loose end that maybe i missed the detail on of where something didn't fit or like why um this element of the plot happened but but i didn't find it like that hard that hard to follow i do i can concede on like some of the pacing that's like really fast you know it's um a lot of conversations you know uh and quick conversations like witty and back and Mm -hmm. forth you know full of banter and then it's like okay that scene's over and now we're moving on to the next scene where you know the detective is, is interrogating someone or trying to get new information or following somebody so it's very um like there's not a lot of room to breathe in between some of the scenes so i can i can concede that but again that wasn't that huge an issue for me okay yeah i i tend to fall on the side of cody a little bit on this one and whoa, whoa, whoa. can you repeat that i know it's a rarity isn't it I, I do think that there were a lot of times when there'd be a conversation. And like you mentioned, Zach, as soon as that conversation ends, it's just like, all right, fade out to the next scene where you'd like to have a second to sort of process just what happened or have the character, whoever it may be in, in a lot of cases, it would be um, Bogart's Marlowe, like processing what just happened. So that way you can catch up as well. But it's sort of like, here's a conversation, and then, boom, we're on to this next piece where we are at a this guy's house that um, that we're looking for, or we're at this casino now, or or whatever, right? And some of those are more explicitly laid out why they have to do that. Some of them aren't quite so explicitly laid out as to like why they showed up where they did in the next scene. And I think Cody's point that there were a lot of characters that were introduced quickly without like knowing who they are. So somebody shows up and you're like, wait, who is that again? And some of the characters would refer to 
that person by their first name. Some of the characters would refer to that person by their last name, but very rarely would they refer to them by both. So a lot of times I'd, I'd have it like take me a second to be like, oh, that's that guy that was here at this point. And that can get a little confusing at times. I just, that pacing issue though, is really what does it for me. Because I think that what makes mystery movies and, and noir movies so successful at times when they do work is you want to be able to solve the mystery along with the detective himself or herself in this case, it's, it's himself. But um, like Philip Marlowe is the one that's like, telling you okay now we're doing this now we're doing that without any real like background explanation as to how he got there it's just sort of like all right this conversation now i know we need to do this but it's moving too quickly for the audience to keep up at that same pace maybe that's something that like a second viewing there's no help um, a little bit for but it sort of takes you out of the movie you know what i mean yeah there's no like there's no like uh uh, Watson character or like Anna de Armas right in, in this right. one it's just it's just Marlowe and uh, yeah you, uh, you're right he's, he's definitely like always ahead of, of where the case is going um, and uh, there's it's it's um, a lot of like uh, events that happen just kind of like happen and then he explains mm-hmm. why they happened or, mm-hmm. or you know it, he knows exactly like what after happened. the fact yeah yeah exactly or he knows exactly what happened only you know after he like just looks around the scene for a few minutes um i think you may you make a point like in in your in your notes here that uh it's less about um the actual mystery and just more about philip marlowe himself and i think that's definitely like very applicable to this to this uh entry yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and you brought up Anna de Armas. I, I do kind of think of Knives Out a little bit watching this movie mm-hmm. because that's a movie I think that's very successful in giving you the clues so you can try and figure out what's going on along the way as well. And then it does manage still to surprise you and pull the rug out from under you, but in a way that lets you feel like you're a part of the process around. But you're right. I do think that the point of this movie is probably to uh, to set a mood and to showcase a character, in this case, Philip Marlowe. And he's a charming character. I mean, how many different characters uh, approach him and they're like, you're cute, <laughs> which I kind of found funny because it was just like a bunch of people that, that did that. Yeah. <laughs> and he is pretty charming. Like Humphrey Bogart, there's a reason he was the biggest star of his uh, his generation. Uh, he's charming throughout the movie, and that's entertaining to watch. Did you find Cody any value in like the ambiance and the characters themselves, at least? I I found that uh, you know Philip here has a lot of guns in his armory now because he stole everyone from everybody. So I I just I think my favorite scene in the whole movie was obviously his charm in particular was obviously the funny parts for me and the entertainment part for me. Uh, the book, the uh, bookstore one was probably like the one scene in my head that I thought was actually really quite funny and uh, engaging and indulging. Um, outside of that, though, man, I just, I don't know. I just, I couldn't get behind this film. I'm sorry, Zach. And it's funny, too, because I do like the detective mysteries. I'm not knocking this movie just because it's like, oh, he just doesn't get it. Uh, maybe I haven't seen enough of them to understand or from this, you know, 
you know, we talk about it all the time, right? This is an era that I wasn't a part of, lived, of course, and what Dude, was you successful. You weren't alive in the 40s? No, I wasn't alive <laughs> God, in the 40s. to me. <laughs> but, right, because you just, you know, you brought it up with Knives Out. The only other film that I can say that I've seen as of recent also that was a detective movie was, uh, God, what was that Brooklyn movie we saw? I mean, why can't I think of the name? Motherless, Motherless Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah. And those are like my two most recent, you know, detective films that I'd seen. So it is maybe hard for me to relate because that's what I'm going off of and how successful Knives Out was. And I see the reviews on this one and the overall like ratings and stuff. And I'd seen it before I even saw the film. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll probably, you know, I'm probably going to enjoy this enough. And that wasn't the case, Zach. Wasn't the case. And I don't know what it was. I, I think with Evan said, I think it was just a pacing issue and overall just um i just i don't like having i guess think that much to enjoy a film <laughs> just let me there it is There's there it is the movie that. podcast says he doesn't yeah. like to think in a movie. <laughs> i just want to watch it and then think afterwards about it all right i don't know but yeah i, I read mean, there... something that was like uh the even the director and writers uh so like howard hawks and and his writers reached out and contacted like the original literary author of uh, like the Marlowe um, series or whatever. And right. even when they asked him like, who's the killer? The, the author was like, I don't know. You guys figure it out. Like, <laughs> he didn't even know. Open-ended question. And it sort of comes through because I think towards the end, it's still not entirely clear. Like who's telling the truth, who's not like who killed who and I guess in the end it doesn't really matter because everybody's sort of dead. But I don't know. Did like you? You said you didn't find it all that confusing, Zach, to figure out like what was going on and like who was who. Did right. you have like a way to keep track of that? Like what? I wasn't exactly. Was Tell me who the killer was. I, I'd like to know. Spoilers. <laughs> um, I mean that's that is kind of like open ended, right? Because you uh, you never, no one in the in the situation is like reliable. Mm -hmm. um you can only go off like humphrey bogart's assumption sure. that it was uh carmen that's kind of what i thought yeah um and wait who's he, carmen that's the, the younger, younger sister. sister that's what i thought i just had to double check for my own notes that i wrote i like the chain there from zach's like carmen was a killer i was like that's what i thought and cody's like i think i know who carmen was <laughs> <laughs> it was the butler dude it was, it was north it's always the butler um uh, I, you know, I would just think that I, you know, Humphrey Bogart and, or Philip Marlowe being the detective that he is, like, you can, you can assume his conclusion is correct. But mm -hmm. again, like, no one is exactly reliable, right? Because you have the, um, the main villain in the story, uh, Eddie Mars, who's mm -hmm. telling him, who's confirming for him that it was Carmen, right? And, and telling him that she got high and that, the, um, that, it, that it was her. And then, of course, you have Lauren Bacall, Miss Rutledge, I think Vivian is her first name. Mm -hmm. saying that it was her um but i thought that was more to protect her sister right yeah and yeah i'm inclined to agree and so i, w I wasn't um necessarily like i didn't have like the mystery solved or anything but i didn't i wasn't like struggling like wait who's that again or who's that again um i was able to kind of keep track of, of everyone uh just from like their you know their interactions and conversations um the only person who I who I can't remember exactly why he uh, he killed Brody was Lundgren. Like I can't remember. I know Carol Lundgren like gets mentioned, and then mm -hmm. he comes back and he's the one who shoots Brody at the door. But I just don't remember why 
it was important. Um, yeah. But the, everyone the else. The whole kind of- subplot of like Sean running off with Eddie Mar's wife too. I, I think mm-hmm. they find his wife, right? Yeah, At she's alive. Point. Yeah. And then what, what happened to Sean? Did he get killed? He's or dead. Something? Yeah, he's dead. That's the okay. one that, that's who that's who um Carmen supposedly killed is is Sean Regan. Oh, oh really? In that yeah. who was the yeah, bookseller? Yeah. What was the bookseller's name? I can't remember what his Geiger. name was. Geiger. Geiger. Because I know yeah. he was supposedly dead. He's the one so too, Geiger right? yeah, Geiger is the one who was initially um blackmailing Carmen. Right. And then because Carmen is like this um kind of flirty, you know, mm-hmm. uh force of nature basically goes um and makes men fall in love with her or at least want her right so she that guy geiger was like into her and then also kind of pressuring her with blackmail of her gambling debts right um but their driver the family's chauffeur the driver his name was owen taylor had like a thing for her and didn't like geiger so that he he killed geiger knowing that he was blackmailing Ah. um black man okay yeah, so, yeah, that's, black man. so it's like it's really convoluted right yeah i yeah. i think i'd have to watch it again to kind of but yeah so all the players all the players have motivations that i think make sense but it is very um very convoluted there's right? just a like, lot a lot going on so i take players, it yeah and, ladies and, and so, gentlemen if you're now turning in to uh the show the last two minutes have been detective zach and evan on the case on exactly <laughs> everything that happened in the movie because it was confusing uh, yeah. as fuck <laughs> I was just about to say, sorry for uh, keeping you out of this conversation, Cody, but you seem to have made all the points that you want to make about this movie. <laughs> so I, I, I do want to ask Zach, though, because you did like it, I take it that a lot of the reason that you did enjoy it was based on Philip Marlowe as a character and the tone set by the, the movie and how it inspired the noir genre. And I wonder if you want to expand on those various things and what worked for you about that maybe some inspiration you saw in later movies um yeah sure i mean like there's a lot of characters kind of like philip marlowe right in like the american you know in american pop culture lexicon Mm -hmm. um and even just the world too but i made a comparison to james bond earlier which i think it's very um yeah just watch casino royale today nice great movie um and then uh, I do also – I also was thinking of, of Knives Out a lot just because that's probably the most recent one I've, I've seen that has, like, a lot of, you know, parallels and, and um, probably is inspired by that genre, you know, the most. Is Daniel um, Craig the new Humphrey Bogart in this essay? I will. I do – well, so something that really sticks out to me about Benoit Blanc as a detective is when he's talking to Anna de Armas. Uh, I can't remember her name in the, in the movie. Uh, Marta. Um, that's right marta he's telling her she's she's asking him like how how he's such a good detective or something like that and he's like you know um i don't like i don't guess like i i anticipate the terminus of of what of the case Mm -hmm. arrive at its at its natural conclusion and that's kind of like what that was kind of was bouncing around my head as 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 i was watching you know philip marlowe go from point to point because he never is like behind or puzzled or anything he's always like okay i can see exactly what's gonna happen next and then he just goes where he needs to be yeah but or at even, the same time anytime, they're very different too you anytime know? Like, he's anytime he's presented with some kind of like new evidence he immediately is like trying to figure out where it fits or can can immediately like say oh this is why you know th- that's yeah that's how this evidence fits uh but benoit blanc is more of a uh like a an observer 
yeah. type character. You know, uh, Philip Marlowe kind of has, he's almost a blend of, of the two of like Benoit Blanc and James Bond, right? Where he's observing, he's figuring out what's going on, but then he's also acting on it mm-hmm. and commentating on it at the same time. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Did, uh, do you have any other thoughts about like, I don't know, the, the noir, the noirness of the whole movie and like why that was so effective or what made this movie uh, I mean, special it's, amongst it's, the genre, you know? It's got like all the classic staples, right? It's, um, it's got like the lone hero mm-hmm. uh, detective who smokes a lot and is, is um, you know, mostly a loner. It's got the, the dangerous female, the femme fatale, right? Mm-hmm. In, in uh in vivian rutledge it's got um double crossing it's got murder uh it's got uh, missing persons and um it's a uh, steeped in like in in shadowy scenes and lots of conversations between two you know two people holding guns mm-hmm. uh so it's just it's it's really got all of those classic elements i think the one thing that's like missing um is like a, a longer kind of like more extended parlor scene where yeah the you only get it briefly you know, here yeah is is explaining like how he solved the case or how you know how he arrived at his conclusions um you kind of get multiple ones right because there's like almost two cases going on here because mm-hmm. immediately um he's when he goes to work he he easily kind of uh determines like where the blackmail is coming from and why um but then he he is everyone's kind of like hey man the case is over like you should go away now and uh he's the only one that knows that he's still looking for, for Sean Regan, for, for the general. Right. Um, so you kind of get that, that uh, initial, you know, uh, exposition scene uh, with, um, with Brody and Agnes, the bookshop keeper. And then mm-hmm. um, uh, both of the sisters, right. Um, where he's telling him like, you know, exactly why the blackmail is going on, how he got the photo and how he knew to like, steal from the guy's shop and you know and everything so you get that one and then you get the final confrontation at the end with with mars but yeah they're not really like very extended it's just pretty brief and then you know the next like action set piece happens it doesn't allow you to like walk back through the whole movie and like unravel the thread as he explains what's going on which i think maybe is part of the frustration because i think you mentioned the the bookstore scene and i think cody mentioned it earlier I think what's so fun about that early sequence is that you see him go to the library and like do his research and then you see him go and and use it to try and like prod these uh these bookstore or these uh storekeepers for information and like that's a a part of the movie where it like comes together but then everything after that is just like boom 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 um yeah I mean I think that that stuff is it makes for at least an entertaining enough uh, experience to watch the movie. I I do wish there was a little bit more um, depth to the plot um, instead of just being like a lot of plot. Cody, you you haven't gotten to say anything in a while. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on uh, The Big Sleep? Uh, I, I, I zoned out on YouTube just doing your own thing. I didn't want to watch the movie, or I didn't like the movie to begin with. You think I'm going to listen to all that about the movie? <laughs> As always, a wonderful co-host. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, do you have any uh, any last thoughts on the on the big sleep here? Um, I think that if you're like a fan of, of the genre, it's definitely one that you want to see just because it's, um, you know, again, one of those, one of the big ones in, you know, one of the more well-known ones and kind of revered as... Um, 
as like Hollywood history, right? Uh, but if if you're more like Cody, um, it, it's probably fine to skip. It's not like a groundbreaking film or anything like that. If you like to think about your movies, be more like Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Frozen Two instead. And tell me how good Olaf Actually, is. Actually, you know what? That movie is very confusing. So maybe I should pick a different movie. So, all uh, right, we got to get in the letterbox roundup. I think at this point, let's round it up. So Zach, Zach, you are our guest, and this is your movie. Uh, you solid three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, Cody. It wasn't a solid three and a half. I can't even say it's a solid two. It's a wishy-washy two out of five stars for me. Cody's wavering on that too. Wow. I was going back and forth between two and a half and three. Like I said, I don't think structurally as a movie it was it was perfect, but I do appreciate the um, the whole atmosphere that it builds and and the characters themselves. So I, I went with two and a half, but it's it's right there on the cusp. guys uh that was a good discussion of theaters and uh another movie from the 1940s thanks for uh for picking it zach and yeah. uh thanks for thanks, joining us zach again. yeah you're welcome man yeah that was a sincere you're welcome for uh my question not for yours cody yeah <laughs> you couldn't tell i mean kind of both kind of both <laughs> yeah you exactly. expand your expand your horizons cody i guess so this is what this is all about right yeah, well, we've got a dramatic close for the uh, the first installment of the Decades Project. Uh, and Cody, tell, uh, tell everyone what that is one more time. Remind them. Yeah, so we will be watching week one poll winner and the week two poll winner. That was week one was Bicycle Thieves and week two was Casablanca. Both are available on HBO Max. So, and I think Canopy too. And Canopy is Evan had to throw in there. Zach, will you be, uh, you'll be joining us for uh, this next week as well? yeah should be okay great um yeah well we're excited about that and we hope you guys have enjoyed the uh the decades project it's been fun for us uh, as i speak for my co-host here uh to watch some of these old movies and, and sort of fill in some blind spots that we had um if you want to see us do it again we'd love to hear from you um if you have any suggestions of movies that you really love or decades you want us to uh dive into where uh, where can they send that sort of thing, Cody? Uh, I would send it to because Instagram's still down. I would send it to spinning the real pod p o d at gmail dot com. I would email us, and uh, if you want to email us, our Twitter's still active. You know, Evan's not a dumb dumb. He still has access to Twitter. So everything you see on Twitter, by the way, if you don't like that, that's all Evan's doing. That's all right? actually factu- uh, factually <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> you do tweet from the account sometimes. <laughs> yeah, those are the good tweets. Anything you don't like, it was probably Evan. Uh, but yeah, the right now, like I said, Instagram's down. We still got our Twitter up and active. And, uh, and it comes to us directly, though, we, you know, Instagram at DJ wrote and uh, can reach out to me 26 i think it's fine yeah no one cares they're gonna reach out to me and go cody i agree with you the big sleep not a good movie i don't know what zach's talking about so zach where can they find you (laughs) i'm sorry zach attack let me get you in there shout out yourself buddy 
uh, on Twitter and Letterboxd, both at uh, Pretty Grim Stuff, and then on Instagram at Room Without Walls. I think Cody's going to make you change all of your social media to Zach Attack. I will uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> never? All right. You know what? I don't, ha- I don't have to put up with this anymore. All right. Go all listen right. to our enough, podcast. Enough of your bickering. Yeah. Go uh, listen right, to well, the podcast. Listen to the podcast. That's, that's good advice. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye.